Today, our guests are the crew from Ink Heist podcast. That is Shane Douglas Keene, Rich Duncan, and Laurel Hightower. Uh, I would like to say thanks a lot for coming on today, everybody. We, Me and Brennan are big fans and can't wait to uh, talk to you all. Thank you for having us, man. Yeah, we're Absolutely. happy to be here. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. We, me and Brennan kind of like to start out with uh, one question that we ask every guest, and it's basically what got you into horror. And me, me and Brennan know the answer for all three of you guys, but for anyone that may not be familiar with your show, um, we'd love to hopefully introduce you guys and kind of figure out your genesis in horror. So whoever wants to go first, hop on board. I guess okay. I'll. Uh... <laughs> well, I was gonna say I guess I'll go, but I, I was trying, I, I was trying to goad Laurel into starting first, like so interrupt her, but <laughs> instead you just yell out, <laughs> you just yell out uh, profanity, right? <laughs> no, no, no fucking cursing on the show. We told you before. <laughs> I know that's my fucking bad. <laughs> All right, Rich. What? Rich, All right. go ahead, buddy. Sounds good. Um, mine, uh, as far as horror fiction goes anyway, um, I was born, you know, in the late 80s. So I kind of got into it through like goosebumps and uh, scary stories to tell in the dark and stuff like that. Um, as far as films go, um, it was pretty much when I would visit my dad on the weekends, I, I would he would let me rent like whatever movie I wanted. So even before I was like 10 like I was watching, you know, some of the classics like Friday the 13th and The Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff like that. And as far as uh, Candyman goes, I-, I think that's a hilarious story. So, do you oh, yeah. yeah, no, no problem. Uh, I I don't remember. I can't remember. I know I told the story, but I can't remember why I wanted to see it. Um, I'd heard it was like really scary. So um, I asked my dad to take me to the video store to rent it. And then I read the synopsis on the back and just some of the imagery. I think I watched like a couple seconds of it, but then I turned it off and I just let that thing sit on the damn table for like a week until he had to <laughs> take it back. Cause I was, I was too, I was too scared to watch it, which is kind of crazy. Cause by that point, like I said, I'd seen friday the 13th and all that so i'm not sure what it was about that movie but yeah just some of the imagery and stuff that i'd heard about it i just i just left that thing sit right on the table i was like fuck this take it back <laughs> and well, i bet your dad was sat back and laughed at you <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that movie compared to friday the 13th is probably uh more psychological damaging psychologically damaging to you know, a young mind or a man baby such as myself. And um, that is probably on the same tier as like Hellraiser. It's it's I think it's scarier than like Friday the 13th. So I understand. Well, that bathroom scene, y'all. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even a dude. And that is just horrifying. <laughs> um, OK, so that's that's interesting. Laurel, uh, what is your backstory? As far as horror goes, I I think I'm not sure that I remember like what my first one I read was. My mom um, had a whole bunch of horror on her shelves, so I just read whatever was available. Um, and I just when I went to the library, I got all the books with a little ghost on the on the spine, and I was able to I was allowed to watch whatever I wanted. So I don't know. I think the only one I remember being disturbed by was Natural Born Killers when I saw that at the age of 12. <laughs> that was probably a little young. 
Yeah. Uh, but it's, I mean, it's pretty much always been horror. That's all I've ever really wanted to to read or write or watch. Right on. How about you, Shane? Um, wow. I don't know. I think I probably answer this question differently every time. So by now everybody knows I'm a fucking <laughs> imposter. <laughs> but, uh, basically a lot like Rich, you know, my dad let me do whatever the hell I wanted to do as far as reading and viewing goes. And I, my first book was Salem's Lot, um, first adult book, which I read at 11 or 12 after stealing it from him. Uh, I found out years later he knew full well I was stealing his books. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so from there, that was a that was a game changer for me. Before then, it had been like all boys' adventure novels and things like that. And I read that one King novel, and the world changed for me. That's awesome. And, and Laurel, didn't you? I thought I heard you say that that was kind of a an, uh, early on in your life. That was an integral book for you as well. Salem's Lot. Um, I think so. I think actually maybe I watched the movie before because I remember my sister getting it like for Christmas when she was like eight or something. <laughs> it was like the the, the dual VHS uh, versions of the original. So. Yeah, I think I, I'm pretty sure that I saw the film before I read the book. But yeah, that was that was one of the first um, first King movies I saw. And The Stand, I think you may be thinking The Stand. I think The Stand was the first big one of his that I read. Mm, yeah, I'm probably mixing it up. That's I love that book. Oh, yeah, uh, it's not so scary, but it, it's got parts where it's pretty fucked up. If you're 12 reading that book, it does. And if you have a crush on Gary Sinise, it's just that movie is just everything. <laughs> <laughs> so Tell me let's about <laughs> we learn a little <laughs> bit more about Laurel each week. <laughs> I think it's really interesting that all three of you guys grew up in uh households or at least environments where you were kind of allowed to uh choose your own adventure, so to speak. You were uh allowed to uh hit whatever movies or books uh for the most part you thought you could handle. How do you think that's uh translated to you as adults now oh man <laughs> in so many bad ways <laughs> <laughs> not really not totally so many bad ways but i mean i don't know i think it, it has kind of shaped my sensibilities and my outlook on life in general you know what i mean and uh uh my own writing although it doesn't really venture deep deep into horror yet um is pretty fucking dark and i attribute that to that experience that and crime fiction yeah and i i i feel like i think about it more in terms of my son now that i'm a parent like i can't really think other than i feel like there were images that stuck with me but when i was little the things that bothered me more honestly like I could watch a horror movie and it didn't bother me, but I remember an episode of the Simpsons where Bart was supposed to go to the chocolate factory and he forgot his permission <laughs> slip and he was so sad. And y'all, I lost sleep over that for two weeks. Like I'm not even joking. So it was always like the emotional impact of stuff. And I'm watching my son as he's watching movies and stuff now. And I swear he's the same way. Like he doesn't get bothered by things that would normally scare him, but he gets like super concerned about everyone's well-being. So I kind of uh -huh. I don't know. That's the kind of thing I'm trying to pay attention to with him now. Yeah, for uh, for me, um, it pretty much, I think, just cemented like my love of the genre. But also it it's kind of a good and a bad thing, because having seen a lot of that stuff so early, 
you know, there's certain things that will still kind of, you know, get under my skin or whatever, but I feel like it's almost harder for that effect to like come through sometimes. Like I love horror, but a lot of times it's harder for me to be like genuinely scared. Huh. That makes sense. Except yeah, and that's, UFOs. That's, that's interesting though, because I and the reason I asked you guys that is because I kind of grew up in the polar opposite environment. My household was very much uh it says you're supposed to be seventeen and you're not seventeen, so you know, that's the that's that's the law, that's the way it is. And as such I didn't uh necessarily watch a lot of the classic movies when I was growing up. Um, and there's definitely a difference between watching Friday the 13th or Halloween or Candyman uh, in your mid-20s versus watching it at 12. Um, and, and I feel like that definitely shapes the way that I kind of look at the genre. You know, something there that's interesting is that um, I watched all those movies when I was fucking adult, so I can't really relate. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first I think that's the first person that we that I've talked to that has had that experience. So, Brennan, that's interesting. Interesting. It is. Yeah. How does you I mean, was it something that was always taboo that you were just like jumping, you know, to get at when you were old enough? Or was it just something you kind of came to differently or? Yeah, I I mean, I would say that I kind of came around to it when I came around to it. It was. Kind of, it, it was less like I'm I'm sneaking the uh, titles I'm not supposed to be watching, and more of oh, oh, all right, well, okay, I guess I'll go find something else to do. Um, <laughs> but but as such, I I think that I definitely had when I did get my hands on you know something that was you know society deemed intended for an older age, uh, it was it, it scared the shit out of me a little bit more easily. Um, I still I, I was um, 13, I think, when uh, Blair Witch Project came out and I didn't even see the movie. Um, my sister saw it and described it to me and I lost sleep over just that description. So, uh, you know, Patrick deemed himself a man, baby. I'm now currently outing myself. <laughs> <in that case. laughs> I, I count there, too, because that movie scared me almost to tears. Yeah. Same yeah. here. Has anyone seen The Conjuring? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's it. That's the movie that pops in my mind as an obviously as an adult when I saw it. uh, Creep the fuck out of me. It still creeps me out. Yeah, the that was really well done. I thought as far as like the just the visuals on it. So I can definitely see that. Absolutely. Um. So I was really interested. The genesis of Inkheist, before you guys got together, I know you both, Shane and Rich, had separate uh, review review sites. Mm-hmm. First off, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into reviewing? Um, and secondly, how that led to you two hooking up with each other and forming Inkheist? Rich? Yeah. All right. Yeah, so I'll, I'll start with myself. Uh the way that I got into reviewing it, um, I reviewed music prior, like through high school and college, uh, for a website called absolutepunk.net, which is no longer called that anymore. It's still around, but it's not really the same. Um, then I kind of just lost interest with that, you know, sometime in college. And I wanted to do something, you know, on my own writing again. And I just started reading horror again because when I went, through that phase, you know, I kind of stopped reading and then I started getting back into it. And I think one of the first ones I came to 
was uh josh mallerman's bird box you know aside from like a couple stephen king things but like as far as new authors i think that might have been like the first one that i read and i i just figured you know to hell with it i'll start this blog and you know maybe nobody will read it but it was something i enjoyed doing and then um I, that's that's also how I met Shane. Like I was just talking to him about this the other day. I forget the exact year, but I think we've known each other now for probably six years. Um, yeah, that's a safe bet. I'd say, yeah, yeah, if not probably, more. <laughs> yeah, you're probably dead on six or seven. I think it was 2013, 2014 in that area. Yeah, but. Um, I'll have a diff- different answer to that question tomorrow too. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't want to get too far into that without Shane, you know, kind of touching on his uh his review experiences because I don't even think I know why he started. I'm not even sure I know why I. Started. <laughs> um, it was in about 2013. Gray Matter Press published their first anthology. Um, which is absolutely amazing. If anybody hasn't read it, do unfuck that. Um, and I saw people talking about it and reviewing it. And I was on Twitter and I said, this is a great book. And, uh, and Tony says, yeah, don't forget to leave a review. And I was like, well, I wasn't going to start a review site, but but that's why I didn't, I, I didn't understand the game. And I went, okay. So I started a review site. <laughs> um, and uh, as far as I know, that is that was the original catalyst was him saying leave a review, and I was like, okay. I... <laughs> but I think you did mention that you were thinking the same thing, and that's kind of how Shane and I teamed up together. Is you know, over time. And, you know, not to it's going to sound braggadocious, but it's not meant to like over time, both Shane and myself, like we had a pretty dedicated readership. But it was, in my case, only one person running the horror bookshelf. And in his case, only one person doing shotgun logic. And it, it started to get to the point, at least for me, where it was just too much to do on my own. And I was starting to get kind of burnt out on it and it wasn't really feeling as fun so i was like you know it'd be a lot more fun because by then shane and i had you know become friends if we could do something together and it would kind of take some of the stress stress and pressure off that makes sense uh did you guys happen to read each other's reviews on a regular basis is that I don't. I'm sorry if uh, you guys are answering this, but is that kind of like what formed whoever approached the person first, which is unclear at this point? <laughs> You're starting um, to shut it down. <laughs> no, we were. Yeah, I think Rich actually started reviewing before I did because I remember asking him questions about it when I first started because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Or I, <laughs> if I had, I probably would have asked someone else. Um, <laughs> I say I say that, I say that with love, Rich. Oh, I almost spit my coffee up. <laughs> uh, that's that's all said with love, Rich. Seriously. Um, see, I I distracted myself. I hate that. The idea was to distract you guys. Um, what were we talking about, Rich? Right? We were, we were no, talking about I, you, Rich. 
I got it. I got it now. Uh, we were talking about uh, whether we watched, followed each other's reviews, and the answer sure. on my end is yes. I uh, I followed his reviews pretty pretty damn closely, and I think he followed mine pretty closely too. Oh yeah, yeah. So and yeah, so it was just kind of, and we've been interacting for years, you know. Like I say, when I started, I, I said. You know, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, and I saw Rich was doing a lot of reviewing, so I started asking him questions on Facebook. And uh, out of everybody I asked, you know, because you did it too, Patrick, when you were jumping into this stuff. Yep. Um, and out of everybody I asked, he was the most open and willing to take the time and share the knowledge and not just say, yeah, you know, whatever, just fucking do it, dude. You know, <laughs> you know, because you get a lot of that from people or you used to anyway, where you'd say, hey, what do I do? And they say, Google it. And it's oh. like, you know what? I know how to use Google, but fuck you. Did, so- Did someone tell you to Google, like, how to run a review site? Yeah, I'll, because- I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you about that offline, though, because I don't want to step on toes. If that's- they listen to this, they'll know who I'm talking about. <laughs> that's crazy, though. Like, Google it. Were they joking? It's like, do you think I have not fucking Googled this shit already? <laughs> I just picture Shane hunched over his laptop. How do I write reviews? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I didn't know most of this. That's really interesting. And then at some point, you guys make a podcast. Uh, would you mind telling us about that? Do you um, want to take it, Shane? Yeah, um, that was really we had. Ever since we started Ink Heist, even before we actually came up with the name or anything, we had said and maybe eventually do a podcast that was in our sights from the get-go. Um, and, you know, we hemmed and hogged because we're both kind of, uh, it takes a lot for us to put ourselves out there. And we're both kind of, um, you wouldn't believe it, but we're both a little bit shy. <laughs> so it, it took us a little bit to jump off. We both had a lot of stage fright. Um but then we were talking to John about the fearing and he said, yeah, and let's do this series. And I thought that sounds like a killer thing to write. And he said, so when do you want to do the podcast? <laughs> oh, he knew about it. And it's like, yeah, he knew we were going to, well, he asked, is this going to be audio? But it was kind of a, you know, you could tell that's what he wanted it to be. So suddenly, yeah. suddenly we were <laughs> accidental podcasters. <laughs> yeah. The funny thing about that kind of is, um, you know, like Shane had said, we're both kind of shy and we weren't sure that we were ready for audio. So even prior to the podcast, we had launched like a feature called Semi Live where we just instant messaged our guests. I think the first one, I can't remember who was first and who was second, but we pretty much only did one with John fd taff and then john foster and then we kind of like basically just copy and pasted the chat transcript so it was like live and not like you know an email interview but it wasn't as nerve-wracking as you know talking to them and then then shortly after those two is when that all happened and then john basically guilted us into audio you know, and he's good at that, isn't he, Laura? <laughs> he's did he, did he want to like hear himself talk? Because he's got a magnificent radio voice. <laughs> he's, he's got a fantastic Probably. radio voice. You've got a pretty fucking good radio voice too, Patrick. Oh, you, thank you. My face did yeah. not match though. 
you came in, you you came on sounding all professional and shit. I was like, who the fuck does this guy? Think? <laughs> 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 oh, I I mean I, I mean well. Um, and then <laughs> and then at some point, Laurel comes in, and I actually started listening to Inkai's. Pro, it was I don't even know how I stumbled upon you guys, but it was I think it's because I saw a Josh Mallerman in, interview and um, I loved it. So I listened to the other ones. I think there were five uh, before that. And then I've discovered Laurel and the Sisters of Slaughter. So um, for me, that's what hooked me on your guys show new authors. And um, I'm just curious, at what point did you know Laurel was going to be a part of this? And Laurel, at what point did you know? Or did you have a hint beforehand that you would get uh, invited? I knew right from yeah. right from the very first podcast we did with yeah. Laurel, I knew that we wanted to ask her. Um, but it was kind of a matter of sort of weighing interests. And when we asked her to come back and guest host, um, she pretended like she was ecstatic about it. So we, <laughs> con- <laughs> yeah. so we conned her into going ahead and sticking around with us after that. <laughs> Yeah, and and she she was a pretty early guest on the show too. I think what was she like third, maybe even second chain or something like that. But yeah, pretty much from that first episode. Yeah, yeah, we talked about right then like wouldn't she be a killer addition to the episode? Mostly because she just goddamn near outswore me that day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was impressive. I knew I would find my place in this world. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As far as my side of it, I no, I didn't have any inkling. Um, I was just sort of happily, you know, listening to all the episodes every week and pestering them when one didn't post. (laughs) um, Yes, he was. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and then, yeah, when Shane emailed me the one night and he's like, Oh, I'm sorry for short notice. And I'm like, man, I don't, I don't go anywhere. This is great. I've got like an hour to prep. (laughs) And I still think they ask me because they know I'm always at home on Saturday night. (laughs) (laughs) But, but no, I, I didn't, but I, when, um, yeah, I was super excited to get to do another episode uh, after the new year's for the new year's Eve episode. And then, um, yeah, when Rich was like, Hey, if you want to join full time, I'm like, I'm sure I was, I should have tried to be like, they're like, oh, well, that sounds lovely. Why don't and I was like, oh, my God, yes, please. <laughs> well, that's great for, for my from my point of view. I mean, I loved it when I was just rich and chain, but uh, you're just like, I don't know. It feels like you should have been on it. Nothing against you guys, but it just yeah. feels right. Is what I'm getting. Nah, we agree with that, too. So, yeah, that, that is a mutual assessment. <laughs> and and it, it really adds, you know, another element to the show that we didn't have before. Like Shane and I, you know, we write stuff, but, you know, Shane's recently been published uh, doing his poetry for the Carpenter's Farm. Throw him a little shout out there. That's a question I have for later. Whose show is this? I was not saying a goddamn thing. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to go any deeper than that, but I was I'm only kidding. <laughs> I know, but it, it kind of ties in nicely only because like when Laurel joined, you know, she has, you know, a book out there and is a published author. So it, it's a little bit, she has different insights than, you know, maybe Shane or myself might have and can kind of understand 
some of the processes the authors go through a little bit better than Shane and I can. And she's got a lot sure. more fucking class and intellect than we. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with that, but I I do sort of giggle trying to picture Rich discussing erotica with Violet Castro by himself. <laughs> yeah, oh, that, that may have been awkward. That would have been amazing. <laughs> I wish Shane was in that episode because I'd be I would have been so interested to hear your your thought behind any of it. Yeah, I had a little uh, crazy spell that day, so I stepped off. <laughs> um, so I've been hogging the airtime. Brennan, please step in and I'll sit back, bud. Hey, one, yeah, one, okay. one little interruption. Interruption. <laughs> Brennan, in. um, Brennan, for all of you who listen to this podcast, Brennan is the guy who dubbed me the profane Mr. Rogers. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's so that, for the last 30 minutes on what my voice sounds like so you can give me a nickname or yeah the talk away <laughs> buddy <laughs> actually shane and rich i'm wondering um how you uh came about bringing laurel on to the uh the second or third episode in the first place uh now her books you know everywhere it's it's huge or at least it is in my mind but um, when when she had first come on, uh, it it wasn't as big as it is now. So how did you find her? She sent her book to us through the Ink Heist email. Go ahead, Rich. I was just gonna say, uh, Laurel can actually chime on, in on this too, because she has a, she has a funny story about that. But oh yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah Shane. Um, I think Shane was the first one that saw the email, but he's like, hey, because we have like a shared account and he's like oh you should take a look at this book you know that we just got a review request for whispers in the dark by laurel hightower and i read it and i was like oh that sounds really cool and you know i can't i think we had read it first and then or we started reading it and then we were like wow this is really good and we're like we should have her on the show and that was that was pretty much all that went into it we just started reading the book you know like so many other people have and loved it right away and just wanted to have her on and then i'll yeah. let uh, i'll let laurel take over because she has a funny <laughs> story about uh putting in that review request <laughs> yeah I, it's it is just funny to think of now because you know i talked to rich and shane like all day it, but you know before that when i when i put in the email request i did i was directing it towards rich because shane's um review requests were closed and it wasn't just closed it was like fuck off like do not email me like <laughs> burning hell do not tell oh my me. god <laughs> no, i mean not, not really but it was like very clear sounds about, no, sounds about right <laughs> it's pretty on brand she, yeah, she, Laurel, Laurel translated the gist of it pretty well. Yeah. Well, and I I was very careful when I was doing my uh, review requests to, to, you know, to just read very carefully what people's requests were. And I was like, OK, Shane is closed. Rich is open. Rich likes this type, you know. And so I was directing it to Rich. And I'm like, oh, God, there's only one email address. And then Shane emailed me back and I was like, I did it wrong. Oh, dear God. But <laughs> but, you know, it was a very positive email and it was really great. And. And again, I, I still think that Rich and Shane putting me on Ink Heist tricked anyone into thinking I was anyone. So thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Still riding that wave. <laughs> uh, I will tell you, the copy I have, uh, I bought because of that episode. So, I mean, it, it worked. Uh, that whole marketing uh, strategy <laughs> paid off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we well, and I appreciate think, that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. 
I no, um, go ahead, man. I was just thinking. I think the day that, and I kind of feel bad about this now. The day that we had Laurel on, I think somebody canceled on us, and we basically <laughs> said last minute, "Hey, can you come on the show? We fucking need somebody really bad." <laughs> well, no, actually, you had me scheduled out like uh, like three weeks, maybe. But was that for the? I mean, for the the New Year's Eve one? Oh yeah, no New Year's Eve. Yeah, that was like yeah. an hour. Yeah, that was yeah. fine. at first i was like what is he talking (laughs) yeah but no um like while we appreciate when people are like oh you know we listen to the podcast or we looked at your site and found your book all the credit goes to laurel she's such a great writer um you know i've been privileged enough to read some of her stuff to like beta read it and every time i'm blown away so her All her, no credit for us. <laughs> and every single person here has read Whispers in the Dark, and I legit fucking cried at the end. I'm not going to say it for any potential reader, but guys, that ended. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Patrick. I appreciate that. Yes. Why am I the only one that got excited? Fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, was just, I was just thinking without, you know, spoiling anything for Laurel that she'll probably make you cry again, you know, in some of her other stuff she has. I, I agree. <laughs> Rich and I have been fortunate to read, I think, three or four other pieces by her of various lengths. And I and I say fortunate with a great big yeah. huge exclamation point on the end of it. I feel it's, like you guys are gonna make trying to make me and Brent jealous because we too love her. So back <laughs> off. <laughs> no. They're trying to make you jealous. <laughs> no, no jealous, but um, she uh, it's funny because she always you know thanks us for reading it but i feel like it should be the other way around well you're a good writer too rich i've read you let me beta read one of your stories it's good oh, thanks you are correct yeah definitely no rich is very rich is an excellent writer and so is shane yeah shane can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved with um there's a few things i want to ask you but one is uh your your poetry with josh mallerman i know that's been pretty pretty positive from what i've seen yeah yeah that's been a lot of fun and it's been probably the privilege of my life one of the greatest honors that i've ever had um and you know i i wedged myself right the fuck in there (laughs) he said i'm gonna do this i immediately dm'd him after rich gave me a pep talk and basically kicked me in the nuts and um (laughs) so i i went and dm'd him and said hey man i'd I think this is really cool what you're doing and it really inspires me and I want to get in on it. I want to write some poetry to go along with the chapters. And he's like, he just uh, flipped over it. He loved the idea and we started doing it and people responded really well to it. And then all of a sudden we've got all these other creatives jumping on the boat and creating things adjacent to it. And it's been pretty amazing. That's pretty neat. Um, And that's, really interesting how he's presenting it um well it's live right basically i mean not live but he, you guys write it in pretty much that week it's it's in everyone's uh, yeah computer i write the poems the night before you see them on the website holy shit um yeah and i only read one chapter at a time so that the coming chapters don't influence what i'm currently writing 
Um, so yeah, you, what you see is I've just read a chapter and I've written a poem, and that's impressive. It's uh, but what's more impressive, man, is that I can't keep up with Mailerman. <laughs> I'm serious, man. He's done. <laughs> Well, well, I mean, like I said, listening to him on your episode, I'm, I, you can ask Brennan. I will excitedly text him to the point where he just quite Brennan, tell him, tell him what you thought, because it's funny to me. Maybe it'll be funny. To <laughs> I'm not sure what I thought. Oh God, damn it, Brennan. <laughs> okay. Well, I will tell them. So even more hilarious, Brennan. Thank you. <laughs> I, I get pumped I up. Over, I get excited over a lot of things, and I'll just like text him the night before or the morning of when we're gonna record an episode. And um, he he got to he replied yesterday, I think it was. And he said, I'm not sure if you're like sending me these because you're genuinely excited or if you're just thinking I'm going to forget that we're recording. (laughs) (laughs) I see see the confusion now. I thought you were talking about talking to Josh Mallerman, not me. So, oh, (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, Yeah. So my whole point with that was that I'm very excited and excitable, but Josh is on a whole nother planet. Um, yeah. Like you wouldn't believe, man. That and guy the, is amazing. Oh, yeah. His energy is super infectious. Um, how did you initially end up talking to him? Did you review Bird Box or I know that was his first published book. I just I reviewed Bird Box I think on Goodreads and that's it and I hadn't it was only shortly after that I just followed him on Facebook you know friended him on Facebook thinking yeah, yeah fat fucking chance and he friended me right back <laughs> yeah. and yeah. Uh, Josh and I have been fairly fairly tight for people who've never been in the same room together for a lot of years now. Um, because he's just an amazing dude, you know, and I mean, I'm not speaking for him. I'm speaking for myself. Um, but uh, he's just incredibly approachable. And I don't know what happened. We started talking and then I was writing for This Is Horror and I contacted him and said, hey, I want to interview you. And so I interviewed him and he came back with some questions and they generated a whole bunch more questions. And this was, you know, all in writing. Um, so I sent him more questions and he kept answering and I kept asking and, um, eventually it became a, a two part 5,000 word interview on, uh, this is horror, Wow! Um, (laughs) but it was fucking epic, man. If I could have, could have had the same conversation on the podcast, it would have been amazing. Um, and then, you know, of course, we did turn around and have a very similar conversation on the podcast, and it was absolutely amazing. But I had to take some downers afterwards. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. I'm kidding. You know, like Sudafed or something. <laughs> Just one more question pertaining to him is uh, when Bird Box was announced, or at some point when you found out like this is going to be a Sandra Bullock movie on Netflix, how how did you feel about that for your friend that has this huge deal and opportunity? Um, I was massively excited about it right from the get go. And um, it, 
if you were around to watch it when it was approaching and he had all this amazing stuff happening to him where he's like having um he's meeting sandra bullock and he's sitting on set watching them film and he's doing the red carpet thing with fucking sandra fucking bullock oh my and God. <laughs> if you guys um haven't picked it up already um i have the biggest crush in the world on that woman <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, oh, hell no. Even if this movie sucks, it's brilliant. <laughs> but, uh, I could tell by his excitement that there was no way it was going to suck, and it did not suck. Um, no. Yeah. I, I just want to comment that, you know, this episode's been great for me because now I know both of my co-hosts' celebrity crushes. I wanted to ask you, <laughs> who, who is your celebrity crush? That's easy. No, that's easy. Lauren Graham. You know who mine was when I was growing up as a kid? It's the main, it's the leading actress in Candyman, Virginia something. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, that's mm-hmm. a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good, good crush there, Patrick. Like, Thank you need you. my approval. But. Uh, good work, I mean, buddy. She, I, you know, I crush for reasons other than pretty, too, though. I mean, because I crush on dudes and celebrity positions sometimes, too. It's like Bruce Campbell is fucking gorgeous. He's Especially like he's, that that beard that he's grown in quarantine, right? Is yeah. that not it's sexy? Amazing. It's quite amazing. <laughs> Brennan, well, who's who's your celebrity crush? Because I feel like we're we're missing out. Right? Yeah. Bruce Bruce Campbell's taken. <laughs> no, no. Everybody can have Bruce. He's easy. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that picture of him that just came out online the other day kind of knocked anything else out of my memory. Um, uh, I'm gonna go with Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh, um, go- okay, oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yes. That's a good one. <laughs> I got, I got Shane. one more. Shane's getting excited <laughs> over there. <laughs> Shane, how do you feel about John Krasinski? Who? The guy. <laughs> yeah. He he. Uh, okay, so he's in the office. He's Jim, and if you don't know him from that, he and his wife Emily Blunt came out with a movie, A Quiet Place. Okay, I know who you're talking about. Once you just said Emily Blunt, and it clicked. Um, yeah, I've never. I count as one of the few people on the planet who's never seen a single episode of The Office because I don't really watch serial TV that much. Um, but yeah, I do know. What do I think about him? I don't really. All right, wrong. I clearly wrong, asked the wrong person. Brennan, tag team, buddy. I, I, I can't watch his uh, his new YouTube show every every. I mean, I, I can watch it. I love it, but uh, I, I get very emotional watching it. I just get so happy that people are doing so many nice things, and you know, it make it makes me tear up. It's wonderful. Has anybody else caught that? Some good news? No, um, I haven't seen it. Oh my gosh, you got to get on that. It's only like thirteen minutes of your life. <laughs> I'll check it out. Yeah, it's, me too. It's literally just a show where he uh, highlights nice things that people are doing uh, since uh, the quarantine began. You know, but and that's a great thing to do because I'm I'm sure you guys have noticed, man. Every damn day you turn around, someone's giving all their books away for free. Or, I mean, C.V. Hunt and Anderson Prunty both had a day where they gave every single book they've ever published away. Yep. For free all day long, you know, and multiple people have done that and others have put them down at stupid low prices and, you know, and then like what Josh is doing and musicians are fucking giving online virtual performances for free and 
you know, really, when you look at how they, how it'll sound really contradictory, but um, social distancing has really brought a lot of fucking people together. It's funny. Uh, the Internet has a way of playing uh, the devil's not the devil's advocate. Uh, uh, basically, when we are allowed to go near each other, a lot of us are in the computer or have our face in the phone and we're not talking to anyone. But now. We're all super close. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> um, yeah. we're basically all locked in a room together. It's just virtual. <laughs> and for a lot of us, there's booze. So that's, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah, <laughs> sister. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad you mentioned that, Brendan. I'm, I'm going to add that on because it's I, I think that's so important right now because, I don't know, sometimes you look at some stuff and it gets so disheartening. And I like to really focus on the positive stuff that people are doing. So that's good. Yeah, I want to check yeah. that out. Hey, so yeah, speaking of one little I'll note. Go, go ahead, Shane. One, one quick note. Um, speaking of giving stuff away, there's an amazing John F. D. Taft story on our website right now that he just gave away so people could have something to, mm-hmm. you know, preoccupy themselves. So that was Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, highly recommend it. Oh, yeah, you guys publish. What got you into that? Because that, I mean, I, no, f- speaking from someone that runs a review platform, that alone takes, uh, you know, every ounce of energy you have if you're doing it alone. Uh, Rich bought the first story out of his fucking change jar, man. <laughs> and, uh, Actually, that, that's pretty much where most of them came Yeah, not exactly. <laughs> it's pretty, yeah, not at all. Well, not necessarily the change jar, but at least, yeah, the first two, like, I just had, like, a big pile of change, and Shane and I had always talked about maybe doing that, and it's not, like, a pro rate, and but it's pretty decent, I think. At, it's basically works out to three cents a word. Oh, it was supposed not, to be, not too bad. Yeah, it was supposed to be 1,500 words. But a lot of the authors, you know, because it was kind of the idea that Shane and I had was we were watching. There's a series called Shaking Through where these bands go into a studio and over the course of a couple days, they do the whole song from writing it. Like they go in there pretty much with nothing, write it, record it, the whole nine yards. And we were like, well, what if we do that with stories? (laughs) So we actually asked John, you know, what would be like a feasible time frame? to ask you know a writer to just write whatever they want let it be spontaneous put it up on the site and he said about three weeks but we do it on like a monthly schedule and so that's kind of how it got started we were like that'd be a cool idea to just see with some of these writers you know just come up with spontaneously and um it was supposed to be 1500 words, but a lot of the people that we've asked, some of them were like, well, it's longer, but that's okay. You can just cap it at like, you know, the 1500 words or whatever. And um, that's pretty much how we got started. And like a lot of people ask, you know, like, how do we submit or whatever? We only did invites because, you know, like I said, we pretty much just funded it out of pocket and, you know, we're not charging anybody for it or anything like that. So we pretty much can only do the one story a month, you know, like in the future, maybe if we kind of like expand the site or whatever, and we have like extra money to, you know, fund more stories, maybe we would do an open call, but 
it wouldn't really be feasible to do an open call for like one story only. Oh yeah, and plus if you do an open call, I mean look at uh Grindhouse Press's anthology. Are you and me oh, yeah. to that? I mean they closed it a month early because of how many submissions they got. Yeah, which I mean I I probably wouldn't mind that so much. Um Shane Shane might, but um yeah, it was more it was more just like the financial resources. <laughs> we didn't wanna we didn't want to start this yeah. and then overextend ourselves. But you are correct. I, there's no fucking way in the world I would deal with this. <laughs> yeah. I did that in college, and I will never, ever, ever go anywhere near that shit again. And I did it, did it a little bit afterwards too, and realized why I never did go back to it. You know, so I hate slush piles. <laughs> that that makes me respect the guy like uh, i'm not kissing ass but seriously no. like ken mckinley reads all that shit almost 700 short stories i know he's crazy like <laughs> one one person all those stories yeah i give him credit because i would i would lose my damn mind yeah. well there's a there's a huge percentage of all those stories that you read about four sentences of and just round file it and move on to the next one too so it doesn't. It's not as daunting as it sounds, but it is hugely daunting for one person to take on seven hundred freaking manuscripts. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot. Well, and to maintain that level of enthusiasm over it too, because I know you know we were kind of asking him that. I, I think we were like gauging his mental health. Like, are you okay? Right. <laughs> that you're taking this this project on, and he was still very like, oh no, I love it. You know, it's he was you know so excited to have so many stories. So I feel like that's very heartening too. You know, because, yeah. again, when you're, you know, when you're submitting, it's it's cool. Uh, yeah, I'm with you, Patrick. Like, that's Absolutely. that's crazy, but I'm super glad that he's doing this. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for slush readers. Yeah, same. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about, um, well, all of your recent successes <laughs> or your upcoming successes. So oh. tell us a little bit about um, about how how it felt to uh, kind of get that acceptance from uh from silver shamrock oh that i mean that was huge it was it was really it was crazy and shane and rich will attest because you know we we chat on discord for you know a large portion of the day and so like that morning i got up and and i saw i had gotten an email back from um off limits press asking for the remainder of my manuscript and i was like Oh my fucking God. You know, they want the rest of my manuscript. And I'm like, Oh, Oh God, I also got an acceptance from silver shamrock. Holy shit. Like what, you know, what, what wormhole did I fall into today? This is fantastic. So <laughs> it was, it was a really good day. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I had actually, I had never written short fiction. That was the first short story that I'd ever written. Um, because I didn't think that I could, um, and so, you know, Shane and Rich are very good at encouraging on that front. And also John Taft likes to say things like, fuck it, do it anyways. And so I felt very <laughs> challenged <laughs> by that. So, yeah, so I tried it. I have definitely gotten other rejections on it, though, you know, on, on other short stories. But uh, that was very surprising. But this one just sort of came to me. You know, I didn't think I would have a story for it. Um, so, yeah, that was really exciting. Um, and I'm, I'm sharing a table of contents with some just really amazing big authors. And I keep expecting someone to say, just kidding, that was a mistake. <laughs> Not a mistake to, at all. <laughs> should have gone to someone else. But um, but yeah, so I'm really excited about that. And I'm really um, the uh, the novella that's coming up with Off Limits Press is is very 
uh, kind of close to my heart. Um, and so I'm just really excited to see that in print. And I'm really, really excited to work with Sam Kaliesnik as well. Yeah, that is excellent. On the on the short story, um, anytime I've seen you talking about your ability to write short stories, you're always very down on yourself, which that's actually one reason why it's excellent to have Shane and Rich here. So if you accidentally get down on your own writing, they can say, <laughs> no, she's incredible. Um <laughs> So I'm wondering, when you finished that up, sent it out, edited it, and, and got ready to send it uh, into anywhere you submitted it, did, did, was it was it a feeling like, holy shit, I can write a short story? Or was it more like, here goes nothing? It was it was probably a little bit of both. I, I really honestly did not expect it to go anywhere. Um, but I was – the biggest uh, challenge for me on it was the story arc. Like, you know, I write these ridiculous – a hundred thousand some odd word tomes. And I just didn't know that I could condense something, a story arc into something that short. And it just sort of came to me really in a, in a very quick fashion. I wrote it over a weekend. Um, and yeah, so it was just more of a bit of a confidence builder to feel like I could get from point A to point B without it being several hundred thousand words. So it was really more of a little of both. I honestly didn't expect anything to come out of it. Did you have to do a lot of cutting on it? Uh, not so much before I submitted it. Rich and Shane both gave me some good notes on it, um, on some tweaking I did. And then I've been doing my edits this week that I got from, um, Kenneth Kane and he's an excellent editor. He's, he's really good. And it's one of those things where like, once I got his notes, I was like, why did anyone accept this in the first place with all of these problems? (laughs) So... That's one of those things I like to say whenever I can that a good uh, beta reader and an excellent editor are just worth their weight in gold. And I like to say it's fucking McKinley, not Kane. Kane's the editor. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I got it right this time, didn't I? <laughs> yes, you did. I did. I just like to say that. Oh, thank God. Because <laughs> you know and, I screwed. You know, Sham, Shamrock Silver. What? <laughs> Shamrock Silver. Well, you know they're the ones who took that fucking Twitter handle. So <laughs> that's what happens. It's on Ken. Yeah. Kind of to embarrass Laura a little bit. Um, oh, thank you. When, yeah, anytime. But uh, when yeah, when she would say stuff about you know not being able to write short short fiction, I remember the first one she sent us, and I was like, "What the hell is she talking about?" Like, right? She's like a savant. Like, that, <laughs> I think that was like her first one, maybe, and it was excellent. Well, um, I wrote a short story that may never see the day of light. It was a stupid comedy horror about a. Who gives a shit? And Laura, uh, Laurel sent me um, notes on it because she actually beta read it. And I'm just thinking, why isn't she an editor as well? Because she knows her shit. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Uh, is that a pun? <laughs> oh, no. no different, different story. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> Jesus, man, that was... <laughs> I can't breathe. That was harsh, dude. Hey, man. Get out of here. (laughs) Patrick's going, what the hell did I come back in? (laughs) It was actually a really good pun. I mean, if I were you, I think I would have probably just owned it. I just own it. It's your pun. My brain couldn't digest it fast enough, and then (laughs) and now I'm embarrassed. 
Well, but no, to circle back around on that, that's actually quite a good short story. And I hope that you come back to it because that song's still in my damn head. (laughs) Also, I had no idea this episode was going to be so great for my ego. You guys are awesome. (laughs) Anytime. We all talked about it except for Shane because he's a dick and ignores me. (laughs) Um, Who's talking? (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm a dick and I ignore everybody. (laughs) I don't even talk to Rich or Laurel before 2 o'clock most (laughs) My time. That's hilarious. I, I literally told Laurel earlier this morning, I forget what we were talking about. I was like, now I got to wait for his ass to wake up at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> you wanted to ask me something about that poetry? Yeah. Yeah, because I got, see, I, after you guys spoiled that one thing for me, I go back every day to make sure you didn't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I actually wanted to ask Rich and Shane a question about writing. You guys, and you did this yourself because you mentioned it on the air. You guys are working on a collab. I would love to know if we can find out anything else about that. Um, it's getting a lot of dust on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we go ahead. No, I was just going to I was just going to say we still have we had some notes and stuff for it that we we pretty much and it's weird because I think Shane and I both kind of would consider ourselves pantsers to a degree, but we actually have like some notes and we kind of know what the story's about and where we want it to go. Um and I believe there's even like a first chapter that Shane had done. But we kind of took a break from it for a little bit, especially, you know, now that he's he's working on the poems, because, you know, as he said before, he he reads the chapter that's going to come out on that day and then he writes the poems so that it's like fresh. So we kind of put it on hold for now while, while he's doing that. Yeah. And I mean, but it is really the notes are kind of fascinating to me because the notes are longer than any story I've ever written. And, you know. <laughs> I'm I'm impressed with that all by itself. <laughs> that is an accomplishment, you know. But uh, yeah, it's gonna happen. It will happen because I'm really excited about the premise behind it and what yeah. it was born of. And um, it's got a it's got a genesis story that I won't tell, but you know, someday maybe. It, um, yeah, it's pretty batshit crazy. Yeah. Basically, is <laughs> what Shane's trying to say. Yep. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sold on it. Yeah, I mean, I want to read it already. <laughs> I um, want to read it too. <laughs> Shane, you you and Bob uh, Pastorella, uh, I think I said his name right. You guys worked on a series of Splatterpunk articles in February, I think it was. Uh, I was just curious how that came about. Um, just it's just kind of an interest and a semi passion of both of ours. And we were uh, talking with a group of other writers one day. I think John Foster was in it and Joe Lansdale um, and a few others. And we were talking about splatterpunk and what the definitions were and what the differences between hardcore and splatter were and things like that. And Bob said, hey, we should write this. So we said, yes, let's do. And we are actually still writing it. 
Oh, I didn't. I actually didn't know that. Yeah, that I'm. I'm a holdup right now because of this project I'm on with the poetry, but I I have a article in my hands that I'm working on that's going to Bob in a few days. And that's all on this is Har's website. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay, uh, well, I mean, for anything we've mentioned, if you want to send me links or someone wants to, or I'll bug one of you guys for the links for anything you mentioned, let me know. I'll put them in the show notes. Um, yeah, I actually bugged me because I won't remember everything. But okay. anything anything you think should be linked, if you don't mind bugging me, I'll find the link for it. You like how he threw that right back at you, Patrick? Yeah, it's a I mean, skill. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you know what, man? It's because it's, it's because it's easier that way because I just fucking ignore him anyway. <laughs> Shane, I've been to Portland and everybody else is so nice there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I uh, yeah, I don't really ignore him. I just ignore him. Um, <laughs> I what happens is I get up in the morning I see a message I go to answer it I see a squirrel and it's all over from there and I never remember that I had a message <laughs> responding to. Isn't the, isn't the last blockbuster in like the world right near Portland or in your state? No, we had one of the last two and it's gone. And then there's another one. I think it's actually over somewhere near Laurel. I was going to say Alaska, so shows what we know. I thought it was in uh, Oregon. <laughs> no, I don't I don't think we have it. We, oh, actually, you know what? You might be right. It might be over in Bend, Oregon. Oh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> that, someone's guy, gone. that guy in his fucking motorcycle. <laughs> Every it's night. Like, it's like he's in your closet with you, man. Yeah, Rich, aren't you in a fucking closet, man? What the hell? You know that's yeah. No, no, <laughs> unfortunately not. It is very spacious in here, though. What's your wife think about that? Like, does she laugh? Kind of, but um, <laughs> it's funny. The one, the one day we were recording an episode, and I, I forget what I said exactly or what we were talking about, but I told those guys, I was like, oh, don't worry, she can't hear us because she's asleep. And then all of a sudden, you just hear her go, I can hear you. <laughs> <laughs> and he said it on the air. Yeah. I guess she. I actually, she texted him. He said, uh, she just texted me. She can. Hear oh me. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's all right. Does your wow. daughter ever walk? Your daughter's what, like five, I think. Mine? No, she's three and a half. All right, so I'm off, but she can walk and stuff. So does she ever go yeah. by the closet and just mess with you? No, no, she's usually asleep by the time we record. Gotcha. That that's why we do it at the times we do it because mainly because of me and Laurel because we both have little ones. Yeah, and then Shane's kids are what like our age. Um, uh, <laughs> and, you old and, bastard, and older probably. My my, I think my oldest is uh, thirty three now. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't joking. I'm thirty one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was I was totally ignoring Rich because I am an old bastard, and that's my project. <laughs> well, where do you guys broadcast from? I'm I'm curious, Brennan. Where do, where have you found in your in your home to hide away and broadcast? Oh, see, mine mine is brilliant because um, it, it, you guys may or may not know that uh, my day job is I'm a I'm a music teacher in uh, kindergarten through fifth grade. 
and I also do uh, piano guitar lessons. So I have taken uh, one of the kind of rooms that we put boxes in when we moved in here and never unpacked them, and I have turned it into an office. So, I mean, this is – actually, it's the size of a big closet, so I'm not that much that far above Rich, but <laughs> – <laughs> I've got my piano here. I've got my guitar, record player, bookshelves. It's I, I'm, I'm good. I'm solid. That's I've a sizable pictures. closet. You know? It's a yeah. nice room. Yeah. I was uh, laughing earlier because I, was, I didn't know if you guys heard me or not. Well, I turned my chair around and my chair strummed my guitar. And I oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently I got away with it. Uh, no, I didn't hear it. So me and my wife. When we moved in our house, we uh we converted the I wanted my own office. I was like, I'm paying for a house. I'm we both are, but I'm like, I want an office. That's the one thing I want. So now we compromised on us sharing an office and uh that's where I record from. Right on. Yeah. And and just for the record, I I feel comfortable about my uh, closet recording studio. <laughs> if you guys if you guys watch Final Guys, Hunter Shea records up in his attic. So he does the Belfry. He calls it the Belfry, yeah. So you know he kind of laughed at me when he found out I recorded in the closet, but I don't think it's uh, too far off. Yeah, I mean he's kicking around <laughs> in his bathrobe up in the attic. <laughs> Well, the difference is he's got a cool name for it, so you just need a name for the closet. Uh, That's true. Batcave would work. Yeah, (laughs) Batcave, yeah. I think that Hunter Shea is actually pretty close to me. We're both in Jersey. You going to go visit the Belfry then? Uh, (laughs) I think if I did did that, Hunter Shea would be like, who the fuck are you? And that would probably be the end of the conversation. Not (laughs) if you bring bourbon. Yeah, bring booze, man. Throw oh, a yeah, empty so. beer can at the window, and then when he comes and puts his head out, show him the bourbon bottle. You're probably good. I'll do that. I'll, I'll do that. You know what, man? You show him a bottle of bourbon, he'll let down his golden hair so fucking fast. <laughs> between, between what you and Laurel both said, that sounds like the worst rom-com I've ever heard of. <laughs> Wait, did you just imply that me and Hunter Shea are somehow romantically involved? Well, not until you present him with that bourbon. Pining <laughs> after each other because Laurel's like, yeah, just throw a crumpled beer can up at his window. Like, what? Shane be over there throwing IPA bombs. <laughs> no, that's at uh, Ken's house. That yeah. Or <laughs> Tim's. Yeah. I'll bring my Tim's actually pretty close and I won't say the town, obviously, but I, when I first started talking with Tim Meyer, uh, I told him where I lived. He's like, oh, that's funny. That's where I bring my kid for one of his doctors. So maybe I'll stalk him, too, and that will turn into a romantic relationship. That's a it's a really good meet cute right there that we're coming up with for you. You know. <laughs> I just don't show turn up it, at, don't turn it down. Uh, I just show up at his kid's doctor's appointment like, hey, what, what are you <laughs> And you're going to bring a bouquet of IPAs for him? I will. <laughs> I'll, I'll, bring, I'll bring his book and I'll have Slash, Hunter Shea's Slash with me and, and it'll be a party. <laughs> show up at his kid's doctor's appointment. When his wife goes in for her first ultrasound, I'm going to be there by that. <laughs> Freakiest way I could ever meet someone. <laughs> um, you so, New Jersey people are weird. 
technically, I mean, I've lived here for five years, so I'm not. I'm a New Englander, like you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> mm. I don't know. I would never stalk somebody in a doctor's office. So I, yeah, right. I'm you might have the New Jersey in you. <laughs> I'm only talking about it. I never said I'll do it yet. Brennan has drawn a line of trick. <laughs> Take that, foul Patriots fan. Hey, all right. That's, that's fucking Shane. I was going to bring up NFL stuff later. Uh, uh well, so, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you got me going. Let's talk about it real quick. Sorry, Laurel. Sports ball talk for sports a moment. Ball. Listen, I'm going to go get a drink and maybe, you know, take a bath or something. Y'all let me know when you're <laughs> I just had a... Or it's not the first time she listened to a bunch of idiots talk about football while she gets to get drunk. I just had one thing to say, Shane. You can never hate us again because not only did we lose the best quarterback we ever had, we lost the tight end that was a professional fucking wrestler for a year. Uh, yeah, and that's just stupid. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Will you still hate us when we go uh, four and twelve this year? Oh, well, I will love the hell out of you. It's the fucking box I'm gonna hate. You'll be looking down on us from your eight and eight schedule. I was going, hey, the, the the Pats are pretty good, but those fucking Buccaneers can go to hell. Yeah, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get that term Patsies once again. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, that's Speaking right. Thought about that. It's been a long time now. Speaking of sports ball, I I I gotta say I I laughed, and I'm sorry, Patrick, but I laughed after the. Uh, Eagles beat them in the Super Bowl, and he he sent me a photo. I guess he had parked his car somewhere, and somebody had stuck an Eagles bumper sticker on his car. (laughs) Remember that he got eagled. (laughs) I got hey, well I I literally lived in Eagles country, so I guess I deserved it. Brennan actually had a good question that he didn't ask, so I'll ask it because we talked about this a while ago. Uh, how has adding a podcast changed your platform? Three under the bus, Brennan. Take that. Shut's fine. Okay, I didn't write it down and forgot about it, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was the question, Brennan? <laughs> Shane, I told you, I forgot it. <laughs> so I, I'm wondering, you know, you guys had Inkeist together. You did your, you did reviews, um, articles, things like that. And then you added the podcast. How has kind of your outlook on running Inkeist changed since you uh, put the podcast into effect? Um, I haven't, as, you know, I can't speak for Rich, but for me, as far as that goes. I've gotten a hell of a lot busier, so I'm I my output on the on the website isn't as great as I would like it to be. Um, and Rich is in the same boat. We're both just busy as fuck, and he also works a stupid job. So, <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, it's for me. That's the main thing is that our level of production on the website has gone down some, um, but the. Between the podcast and lately with the poetry and stuff, it still has a has daily content and stuff, but not like we used to do, you know. So once yeah. uh, once Rich gets his ass to work and writes something, that'll change again. <laughs> yeah, kind of what Shane said. Um, you know, we were pretty 
frequent as far as like doing reviews and stuff. And that is still something that we're going to do. But lately, especially with everything that's been going on, like it's kind of crazy because I work like Patrick and a ton of other people. You know, I work in a field. I don't want to say where in case they listen to my drunken ramblings, but (laughs) I work in a field where I have to go into these places every day and I work like ridiculous hours. So I'm usually pretty spent and I haven't written as much as I would like to. Um, But I hope to get back to doing that. But I feel like as far as the podcast, you know, besides the fact that we kind of haven't written as many like reviews i feel like the podcast almost kind of serves as reviews in a way because we usually take pretty deep dives into the books that we're talking about and a lot of our guests that we've had recently they've had books that are fairly new like tim meyer we had on a little bit before he launched uh, dead daughters and we kind of took a deep dive into that um and uh spoiler alert for people who are listening but i don't know when you guys are airing this tomorrow night we're going to talk to adam caesar who's doing clown in a cornfield oh, so no kidding yeah so i feel like we you know we haven't written as many reviews but in a way we've kind of kept up with that spirit through the podcast because yeah, we I touch agree. on a lot of stuff yeah kind um, of the similar stuff we'd usually write about um and really when we do the the stuff we um, basically deconstruct on the podcast, that's what it is. It's basically both mm-hmm. an, a, an analysis and a review. Um, and we do not we do not talk about books we don't like because that's just a waste of fucking time. You know, so it, it yeah. helps that cuts a lot of the a lot of the chaff out as far as when we're having to deal with multiple balls in the air, you know, Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I don't know how that goes for like you guys, but um, you know, there's really no right or wrong way to you know do a review site. But I feel pretty confident in saying that you know for Shane and myself, we pretty much focus on reviewing or covering stuff that we enjoy. So like people might come to our site and be like, well, they you know they just love everything. But like Shane said, there's so much stuff out there that we just choose to write about or talk about, you know, stuff that we like rather than try and serve as, you know, like a gatekeeper, so to speak, and be and try and read everything. Because we just couldn't like between stuff we do outside of the site and everything. It's just a lot easier to just tell people about stuff we like. So that's why, like, if you ever read our reviews there might be some critical points, but you'll never really see like a bad review, so to speak. And it's not because we don't write them or we're scared of writing them. It's just, there's not enough hours in the day to try and cover everything. So we just cover stuff that we like. And I was just wondering, you know, what are your guys thoughts on that? Do you just cover stuff that you like, or do you try and cover like everything? Brennan, you go first, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'll anything that I, uh, read i'll generally write a review on even if it's just going on goodreads but yeah i'm gonna spend my time promoting uh the stuff that i'm really excited about um there's there's just so much good stuff out there that like you said there's no reason to really kind of dwell on the negative and even if you read a book and it's it's just not for you uh that 
doesn't necessarily mean it's bad and you need to drag it um, be, because there, there could very well be a book by that same author, same press, whatever, uh, that is up your alley or one that you didn't like for whatever reason could be somebody else's cup of tea. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, there's just too much good stuff out there to really spend too much time dwelling on the stuff that didn't resonate with you. Yeah, it's really a contradiction between um, um, uh, art and um, – sorry, I lost my train of thought. Go ahead. <laughs> Patrick. Uh, <laughs> all right, so well, that's a two-part answer. Individually, um, I review pretty much every book I read, and I read a lot slower than pretty much all my peers. So uh, I don't know. I just give each review as best of a objective – state of mind where i'm thinking like well i'm trying to promote the book and i genuinely like most things and then as someone who runs a review platform uh we got a team of like i think 11 people um basically the only thing we won't run is if it's a it's if it's a review that's it, it pretty much sounds like it's shitting over a book because I've, I've gotten one or two of those before and i just won't publish that um and it's not to say that the those were created out of malice or anything. It's just that, like, if it's worded wrong and I, I cringe at it or my partner, Zell or Ellen, cringe at it, um, we won't post it. But for the most part, everyone's different. Like, Brennan or Jason or someone else on my team might not like a book, um, but everyone, everyone pretty much is uh, aware that we're not in this to to make people feel like shit and that everyone has a different view on the same stuff or different stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and the other thing about that, what I was going to say before is that it's, we all try to be objective, but the really on um, the terms art and objective reasoning are kind of contradictory. Um, it's really hard to look at a piece of art and not have an opinion about it. You know, yeah. so, yeah, so, yeah, that Absolutely. was all. Uh, <laughs> I think a portion of it, too, when you run a review platform or even review for a review platform, you are kind of establishing relationships with different publishers. And, you know, you you talk to and get familiar with the heads of them and they're genuinely good people working their asses off and for the right reasons, trying to get. Uh, works that otherwise would go unpublished into the hands of readers. So, you know, if you have a review that says, I, I didn't like the subject matter, uh, it just, you know, it wasn't for me, the characters didn't work for me, whatever, that's fine. But if you come into it and, and, and you say, uh, this book sucks, it was a waste of my time, and the author should feel bad for having, you know, wasted everybody's time, and the publisher should feel bad, that's, it's not productive, it's just, it's a, it's a waste of time. Absolutely, and something to add to that is, like, if you don't like a book, like, I, I recently wrote a three-star review, which isn't bad still, but I said this had potential this is why I didn't like it, or this is why it didn't work for me. Um, I still think that people should read it. So I think if we all genuinely try to think of like, well, we're trying to sell books because we're all in the horror community and we're all for the most part, like super nice people that try to help promote everyone. I think that at the end of the day, that should be 
the takeaway from it all. It should, yeah. and I'll, it, I mean, I'll add again as, as, as someone who has a book out there, honestly, like I think that with a review site, you should do whatever makes sense to you. Um, but I also think that again, like a, as a writer, I don't want anyone to be like tricked into reading my book. You know what I mean? So like if someone just really hates it and they want to outline everything they hated about it, I, I honestly think that kind of serves a purpose in a way, because because I think that like if there's someone else who there's just a major pet peeve they have about some element that's in there, I'd rather save them the time, you know. So I think everyone should write whatever reviews they're comfortable with. But I, I, I still think that it serves a purpose no matter no matter how you want to get on it. Yeah, yeah. I, agree. I mean, I agree to to the point that um, if if somebody sends me something and says, regardless, positive or negative, please review it, I'm going to review it. Um, and then at that point in time, all what what's important is integrity and honesty, you know, and understanding that reviewing a book negatively is not the same as saying this author is a piece of shit. That's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with Shane on that. And that's and kind of like how we've all been talking. There's no wrong or right way. Like everyone has their own reviewing style. And like Shane said, as long as you're honest and stuff, that's all that really matters. And like, it's kind of interesting to the star thing. Like Shane can kind of model on this. There's nothing wrong with that kind of system, but, and who knows, people might not even read the reviews we write because Shane and I are both wordy motherfuckers when we do write those. But we, that's one of the things we wanted to do is kind of just eschew that and just, be like, this is what we like, this is what we didn't like, and people can kind of just take it from there. Because sometimes, like with stars, it gets kind of iffy, like you said. Like a three-star review isn't bad, but depending on the author or something, they, you know, they could take that as being, you know, a bad review. Yeah, and the other side of star ratings, too, is that if you ask five different people what they think each each level means to them they'll all tell you something different more often yeah. than not yeah you know? so the the ratings mean different things to different people who are receiving that you know someone might say three that's fantastic and someone else looks at it and goes well that fucking sucks yeah. you know so um jim mcleod uh he was the first person i reviewed uh not reviewed sorry uh uh interviewed on a po- on the podcast and he he said it on the air that uh, he gave a five star review, and whatever the author was, uh, that person messaged Jim and said he didn't like the way he worded a few of his sentences. So Jim's like, "Okay, now it's four. So you'll you never know what you're gonna get. No, you don't. And there you will you will encounter those people. I've had that happen too, where I've had people try to get me to change the wording in a review I'd put out. And what? It's just not going to happen once it's once it's down, it's down, you know, that's also another aspect of the integrity I was talking about. Once you write it and print it, it, there it is. (laughs) That's crazy. I've never had that experience yet. Have you have you, Brennan? No, not yet. But there's a first time for everything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I've only had it one time that I can remember. What the fuck was that? Yeah. (laughs) Sounds like someone ate their mic. I think Rick, Rich cracked a beer or fell down off his chair. <laughs> Rich, are you okay? Did George get you, buddy? Oops. 
Sorry, Rick. You, you didn't <laughs> oh, fall shit. off your chair, did you? <laughs> your microphone's muted. I think he'll be right back. Uh, okay, so moving on. His mic is muted. Um, before Brennan, I don't want to hog all the air, man. So if you want to take it away, go for it. Well, I was, I was thinking about something you guys said earlier. Um, Rich said earlier, actually. He uh, was very <laughs> modest and said, um, you know, he didn't want to sound like he was bragging, but that, you know, Inkheist kind of got itself. Inkheist, horror bookshelf, um, uh, and, and, and what, what you guys did within the community kind of got themselves into a position where people did kind of sit up, take notice, and uh, your reviews kind of counted for something. And, you know, I mentioned that the uh, one of the initial episodes you guys did sold me on Whispers in the Dark. But even even the other ones, the one you guys did with Hunter Shea, I picked up Creature based on that. Uh, I couldn't get the fearing in my hands fast enough for the episodes you guys were doing with Taff. Um, the, oh, the episode with Matt Hayward, um, the way he talked about the way that his works were kind of semi-connected, uh, I, I think he, I think he sold five books based on that hour and a half long conversation. <laughs> um, so I, I, to me, like that's, that's the next logical step as far as, you know, where the podcast comes in. So with that influence in mind, I'm wondering what are the, some of the best books that you guys have read this year so far, all four months of it, 2020. That's a, wow. that's a good question. Um, I know. I'll just kick things off with one that Shane and I agree on and uh, I'm sure Laurel too, but the the very first book I read in 2020 that I really enjoyed and is definitely going to go on my favorites list is uh, Samantha Koyesnik's True Crime. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That was excellent. And I'm, I don't know if it's just because it was one of the more recent ones. Um, I mean, it was fabulous anyways, but it's like the first one that comes to mind mm-hmm. for me is Dead Daughters uh, by Tim Meyer. That just, yeah. that as a thriller just blew me away. Yeah, it was a damn good one and no twists. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how Shane kept the straight uh, voice with that. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Shane? Uh, what was the question again? <laughs> um, um, the, the some of the no, I know, I'm favorites. kidding, man. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's been a it's been an interesting year for me because normally I kind of semi eschew too many uh, short stories, and this year it's kind of been like you know every short story collection I've picked up or anthology has just owned me, you know. Um, I just finished uh, Kathy Koja's Velocities the other day. Mm. Um, I would call that probably the best book I've read this year so far. Um, and I would also say for novel length, and this is not bias, it is true honesty, even though I would say it anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, Carpenter's Farm, man. People should really read that, don't Oh, yeah. I- I don't mean my poetry. I could give a fuck about that, but that book is important, man, and it's amazing how it came about. So yeah, yeah. that's I'll important. Definitely... And then because you won't say it, I will also read the poetry because it's fucking amazing. <laughs> 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 definitely have to check that out, Brendan. What about you? Let's flip the uh, let's flip the question around to the to the guy that asked the question. God damn it, Patrick! I was gonna do that. Oh shit! 
Sorry, go ahead, buddy. You, you want to pretend that didn't happen and, and, uh, and you nah. can uh, checkmate cut me? I'll cut it yeah. out. No, nah, he blew it. He blew it. I'm over it. <laughs> uh, I just wrapped up Devil's Creek a couple days ago, and that's sticking in my mind. That's I think that's definitely going to make a lot of year-end lists. Um, uh, Dark Choir is another one that uh, from Silver Shamrock. I really enjoyed the hell out of that one. Um, and that just came out mm, end of April, I think. Um, and I'm going to have to parrot you guys and say true crime as well. I, I put that on my uh, year end list for 2019 because I read it in December, but I kind of made a command decision that it was going to make this year's list as well. That was just that was a knock you on your ass book. I had it on yeah. my 2019 list and Rich and Laurel made me take it off. <laughs> well, that's because we follow a strict format, Shane. Publication date. Yeah, I do what I want, so. <laughs> yeah, see, he does what he wants. <laughs> My parents. We're not held to a strict code. That's because of everyone's <laughs> bitch, Brennan. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait. Who are you calling everyone's bitch now? Hey, I, I just said that's because I am everyone's bitch. Am oh, I own... okay. <laughs> I, I think we can all agree to that. Oh. <laughs> See, that was such a cell phone because I think when you uh, when you initially made a call back in like December or January, like, hey, I think it would be a neat idea to uh, publish everyone's best of 2019 list. Instead of setting strict parameters, you were like, yeah, I don't, I don't give a fuck. We'll do, do what you want to do. <laughs> I got so many ideas in my head, dude. I just like, whatever, fucking do this so I can move on to the next idea. (laughs) But you know what, too, Patrick, as you're like, I know it doesn't really show because I'm outwardly um, arrogant and an asshole, but (laughs) you're you are a super, super, super nice guy. And and there's a there's a border you can cross sometimes and be too nice. Um, And I do do that frequently i say yes way 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 more often than i should ever let that word exit my lips you know so you know it's just a, it's a disease man it's uh <laughs> it's it's why i'm thankful for my two partners at deadhead reviews ellen and l because without them uh running the review platform when it was just me i i was getting stressed and i was stressing my wife out so it was pretty bad at that, at that point before they came on yeah, I don't know if we yeah. touched on it when we answered that question earlier, but Rich and I both were basically fucking done when we started working together. We had both made the separate decision without actually making it public yet that we were going to walk away from this shit because we, yeah, over, we were overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, it got to the point where it wasn't really it wasn't like as fun anymore and now that we've you know teamed up and then we did the podcast and we brought laurel onto the podcast now it's fun and you know that that's pretty much what it should be about like the moment it feels like you have to do something and you're like stressing over it too much then it's you know it's not really worth it at that point. Absolutely. And I got, you know what? I, I didn't know if I was going to have a co-host on this. Uh, I was supposed to, some things fell through and funny enough, Shane, I'm pretty sure you're the one that made me uh, look into Brennan. Um, I can't remember when we became 
Twitter friends or whatever, but like you made a comment, you're like that guy, deem me Mr. Rogers or whatever, and uh, I looked in, I looked into his his like username, and I'm like, wait, I think I'm following him, and uh, I read his reviews or you know whatever, and I like them, and and now he's my co-host, so thank you for that. <laughs> ah, Boy, right I, that's the first time you've ever told me that uh, my Mr. Rogers comment was uh, the you know, catalyst for my unprecedented success. That's, that's good. To know. <laughs> you know, that has, that has been one of the most well-received nicknames I've ever had in my fucking life. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but believe it or not, Brennan, but that was, uh, some, what, there's some things that slip in the cracks that I don't remember. I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me, me too. Me too. Um, so, so since you guys all want to know what my favorite 2020 reads were so far, uh, there are two, uh, true, true crime, and one that I can't believe none of you mentioned. We're all in it. The Rue by Alan Baxter. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, man, The Rue was good. I haven't read it yet. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> well, oh man. See, not- that's because <laughs> I was just gonna say that's because we got kind of sidetracked because you said like a couple and I said true crime and then we all just agreed and <laughs> nobody <laughs> than one. Um, that was, you know, another one you guys should check out is that I'm reading piecemeal. Piecemeal is the new uh, Gabino Iglesias edited uh, both sides stories from the border. Oh yeah, that looks really good. It is beautiful. I mean, and oh. I I don't use that word lightly. It is amazing. So, here's a look up that, that. That sounds interesting. There's one more book. I was gonna bring it up at the end of the show, but I think I don't know if Flora would be into this. Uh, I don't know if Brennan would be, but Shane and Rich both like crime from Flame Tree Press. I have a uh, August arc. Um, it's called Vintage Crime by the Crime Writers Association. Uh, it's basically hand-picked murder mysteries from written back in the 50s to, I think, the 80s, but it's about 300 pages long. I just got it in the mail today, so I, I, I don't know how it is, but I wanted it, and it looks good. That sounds that sounds pretty cool, and I'm kind of glad you mentioned that because, like, as we were talking about like true crime and stuff, um, like there's so many great 2020 releases that we've all read that we could probably give you guys probably like another three hours worth of show. But one that I wanted to touch on, especially because he's a debut author, and his book came out unfortunately right around the time of you know, the COVID-19 crisis is uh, Ann Pisarchik's Before Familiar Woods, which which has has some of the greatest. It's like a crime noir book, um, has some of the the best characterization I think I've read in a crime book like in a very, very long time. And I think I told Shane, like, I was like, you know what? This kind of reminds me like I haven't read the book, but I seen the film of what is it, Shane? A Winter's Bone. Winter, Winter's Bone. Yeah. Yeah. I love that movie. That's the so book good. is. Yeah. The book is by I think it's a Daniel Woodrell book. I'm pretty sure. And it was a yeah. really, really good book. 
It was billed as YA, but um, you read it and you go, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, after seeing the movie, I couldn't see that. But yeah. But yeah, that book before Familiar Woods, like if people have any kind of interest in, you know, crime, noir, and even if they don't, like the characterization and the setting is so good in that book. Like I think anybody, readers and people who like kind of want to be writers should read that book. Oh, one more real quick, just because I can't believe we fucking forgot it. Um, Alma Katsu's The Deep. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, the Deep's so good. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I listened to that episode when it came out, and she's just uh, – she, she's super interesting. I uh, – Shane, yeah. actually, I, I can relate to you uh, as far as an interest in that time period – uh, because um, and I won't bore you with the details, but I, I'm particularly a huge history nerd um, focused on like the indus- American Industrial Revolution. And that, that that definitely includes a time when there was the Western expansion. And I'm I'm really into that. And I want to read that book. I haven't yet. Uh, the hunger. Sorry. Oh. I, you guys were talking about the deep. Sorry. Oh, yeah. But that's <laughs> no, no, that's yeah. And that was the one that I had said. Uh, I'm the guy in the back of the room going, oh, oh, right. Yes. For the same reason. Yes. Yeah, that one is awesome, Patrick. You'll like that. I, I want to read so many books. So uh, I'm looking at about 40 books on my desk right now. Um, I can't read that fast. So I need to th- I think I got to quit my job. <laughs> How You'll many? Be fine for a month or two. Yeah, Brent, yeah. Brennan, a Brennan's, Brennan's a robot. He reads so fucking fast. How many books okay. do you guys read a, a year? If you were to guess, last uh, year I read seventy-two. Okay, that's still a lot. I'm, I'm, uh, I won't say I'll land on this number this year, but last year I landed on one hundred and thirty-three. Oh my god, man, I couldn't even put a number on mine. Um, yeah. Before so easily, this, easily the same as mine or better. That maybe like I'd say prior to 2020, I didn't really read as much as people might think only because I work like 10 hour days. So like I'd get home, I'd read for a little bit, but it wasn't enough to get very far. But I'd say starting in 2020, I don't know what really has changed, but I've been reading a lot more lately so, but yeah, probably not as much as Shane, but probably right up there, especially now with the podcast, because we usually read whatever book it is. And that's kind of a funny thing that, you know, Laurel had brought up when she was on Monster Men. And Jack was like, you guys read like a book a week? And I never really thought of it like that, but it's kind of like that, at least, yeah. at least like a book a week. At least, yeah. And uh, uh, never mind. I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> and your pace must be, uh, you know, unrelenting, too. Shane, I remember I, I saw you write up something about, you know, deciding to spend your Christmas Day reading, I think it was a layman novel, uh, Keen and Ketchum, like yeah. three books in one day. That's yeah. ridiculous. What are you, what are you thinking? <laughs> um, I'm incapable of not doing that. Um, my... Uh, my uh, therapist, yes, I'm crazy, thinks that it's related to ADHD symptoms. So, you know, I'm just part of me. I'm, I'm not capable of not doing that. So it's not anything that's really 
you know, I just, I have to have three or four books going all the time or I lose interest in the one that I'm reading and walk away from it. So do you remember which ones they were, which uh, books those were? Which books what? <laughs> that that is also a symptom. Dave. Yes. <laughs> Your Christmas um, Day readathon. Uh, let's see. It was Richard Layman's Into the Woods, Jack Ketchum's. Um, I want to say uh, Ladies' Night. Um, and I think that is what it was, and it was amazing. And huh. Well, that that was the Gonzalez book, huh? That was Survivor. Yeah. Did you read that at Christmas? I don't remember <laughs> when I read that one. <laughs> I was gonna say no. that'd be that'd be a re- <laughs> I'd be like that'd be a major fucking bummer if you on read Christmas that on your- <laughs> No, it was it was Keen. It was Keen, and it was uh, I want to say The Rising, but it could have been Dark Hollow. It was a reread of one of those two. So. Same question as before, flip to the second half of the year. Instead of uh, best you've read so far, what are you guys looking forward to coming out later this year? Oh, dude. Um, Stephen Graham Jones has a new one coming out. Um, The Only Good Indians. Uh, David Joy has one coming out, When These Mountains Burn. Um, Man, Laird Barron's got a new one in the Isaiah Coleridge series coming out. Um, uh, Tons of amazing stuff. You know, I'm not going to... hog it all so i'll shut up now uh Haley piper has a full-length novel coming out um maybe august i'm not entirely sure but but i'm really looking forward to that one. Oh, the Did fantasy I? yeah i think so yeah yeah she uh because th- that was during women uh women horror month and i forget who but someone interviewed her for us and uh she mentioned that book and then you guys talked about it like a week before. I don't remember when you guys talked about it too on an episode with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to that one. That's going to be good. Oh, and gosh, uh, Violet Castro just announced that she's doing. Was it like a Latinx uh, Candyman? Yeah. Is yeah, that, that is what it? it was. She did. That's, yeah. <laughs> I cannot wait for that. That's going to be wait, awesome. What? I didn't know about that. What is that? <laughs> yeah. From Flame Tree, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh shit! And and she is amazing. You She's know? funny as hell. And and she can write her ass off. And yeah, that's I've been listening to her um, book talk things. And yes, Laurel, I know. Um, <laughs> and um, she just she every time every time she opens her mouth, pretty much she cracks me up. Yeah. Yeah, and she has some cool stories, like, in that episode that Laurel and I did with her. She has, like, a lot of cool ideas that, you know, I want to I read all of them. Um, I can't remember, Laurel, did she mention that story that got picked up by Flame Tree when we spoke with her? I think that was one that she was not uh, wanting to really disclose any details on. Hmm. She had, I, I, I don't remember her, men- I feel like I would have remembered that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, she, you know, she mentioned because we were asking, I think, if there was going to be a follow up to Hairspray and Switchblades. And she said she had something else that she was hoping to get picked up. So she mentioned yeah. a book title called The Final Porn Star. And after I heard yeah. that episode, yes, yeah. I messaged her. I'm like that. I want to fucking read that. That is a killer title. Yeah. Yeah. um yeah my my uh the ones i'm looking forward to shane stole a lot of mine um so (laughs) i'll just throw in two more um max booth the thirds uh touch the night 
that's oh, coming yeah. cemetery dance. I've I I've ordered it. I ordered it a couple months ago, but I've seen a lot of people, you know, in the horror community reviewing it saying that it was great, which, you know, Max is that was one of the funniest episodes that we've recorded was with him. Oh, and yeah. uh, he just he has like such an incredible imagination. Like you wonder how he comes up with half this stuff. Um, and the other one would be uh, Jonathan Jans, the Raven. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. And also, doesn't he have one coming out in October that's like more of a Halloween? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, well, he, he put it out through his newsletter. It's hard to keep track cause he's got like one that he's working on, like the Halloween gods. Um, yeah. Okay. Stuff. That's, that's what I was but, about. Yeah. But I know he has one coming soon from cemetery dance called the dismembered. And I think it has like, kind of like a Gothic cover. So hmm. I had, I hadn't heard of that one. I don't think. Oh, and uh, Laurel's Novella Crossroads. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Hell yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, that um, is reason to be excited, though. It truly is. Anybody abs- listening? Absolutely. Yeah. Read Laurel's book, man. You'd be you'll be amazed at how good it is. I can't wait. There's um, I, I think that you guys might jump on my band. What the? Okay, blah blah blah. Back up. Damn it, Shane, you're rubbing off of me. I forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank uh, you. <laughs> oh damn it! So there are three that I'm looking towards. Uh, that's Midnight at the Pentagram because that looks fucking amazing with that lineup. Um, Mike Michael Clark's uh, third installment to his Patience of a Dead Man trilogy, and uh, the third one. God damn it, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> Which one was the third one? I can't remember it now. I, it was probably Hunter Shay's Misfits, huh? Yeah, go with that. Is, yeah. is that coming out this year? <laughs> oh, I think so. Isn't I it? Remember. I yeah, remember. September, October, I think. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, October. Um, the third one is, and I'm actually going to read the the penny for your thoughts next, but I'm I'm already looking towards Lady Luck because those two are a killer team. Uh Matt Hayward and Robert Ford. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one too. I, I love that book. It's like such a such a great mashup of genres. And those guys are both uh I mean they're both super, super nice guys and super, super, super talented guys, you know. Um, Kelly tells me Bob's a fucking hippie, but otherwise, I mean, <laughs> they're good guys. So. Well, you didn't realize that by looking at them? <laughs> <laughs> um, Rich, I wanted to mention one thing, and I just wanted to get your reaction. Have you heard that there's going to be a reboot of Goosebumps live action television series brought to you by Scholastic Entertainment and Sony Pictures Television? Yeah, I have heard that. I'm not quite sure how I feel about it, honestly. Um, I watched the original TV show and it was okay. Um, I watched both the movies with my daughter, which people can judge me if they want to how how old she is but she loves spooky stuff and it's really pretty tame but i've seen both the goosebumps movies and they were great but um as far as like i don't know like 
I don't even know if they're going to be doing like the original run of the books because I pretty much read all of those and then a couple of, you know, the Goosebumps 2000. But then I kind of moved on to, you know, more adult horror books after that. Um, so I don't know if, if they're planning on doing like some of the newer Goosebumps. Like I literally have no idea what any of those are about. Um, but as far as like if they did some of the original ones, maybe I would check it out. But I also want to give a shout out because especially with like paperbacks from hell and the way people kind of, you know, post covers nowadays for my money especially because they were for, for kids books, Tim Jacobus, who did a lot of the original cover artwork for the original Goosebumps books. He's still one of my favorite cover artists. Like some of those covers are pretty damn cool. Yeah. I like them. Dude. Yeah. Some of them are great. Yeah. Um, so no one else gives a fuck about this. So I'm going to move on to, uh, is there... <laughs> <laughs> I, I was curious cause I, I really don't know the answer. Is there a break between uh, seasons for you guys on your podcast? Um, we don't stop, or at least we didn't. We didn't last yeah. year. We we changed from season one to season two after New Year, but we didn't yeah. take a break. We'll probably take the fourth off. It's looking like now, but we're both also addicted to this. We'll probably get drunk and decide to run anyway. So. I was yeah. gonna say solo it's, show. It's not like I'm going anywhere. So. Exactly same. That's yeah. hilarious. It's kind of funny because, um, like Shane, Shane and I talked about it. Like, should we just be like episode one? And somehow we settled on the seasons, but then we had like two parter episodes and like all this other shit. So we're not even really sure like what episode we're on, honestly. Because we had like one twenty, like episode one point twenty point one, and it's yeah. yeah. Plus our number and our number at convention, we started out with the number and convention all wrong and realized that by the time we hit a thousand episodes, it would be episode 1000 because that's how we were numbering those fuckers. It's like, no, 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 we got to, we've got to, um, revise these as we go, you know, we'll do many at one dot something and then we'll go to two dot something <laughs> or change the yeah. fucking mind. Because yeah, at first I think it looked like episode 101. Yeah, that's exactly it was our right. first episode. <laughs> that's funny. Um, So I talked about it with Brennan. I was like, hey, maybe we should take a break in between like December to like mid-January and uh, He's like, yeah, we're probably going to be recording in between then, though, knowing you. And I think he's right. So I don't know. It's been really fun. This is the fourth episode that me and him have recorded together. This is the 11th that I've recorded so far. And to answer your question earlier, Rich, it is this is coming out May 27th. So three weeks from now or something like that. Wow. So I really didn't need to do this now, man. I'm going to get in trouble with my wife when I tell her about <laughs> next week. Uh, well, I'm we got kidding. the next two weeks booked. <laughs> uh, I know that. And that'll change, man. If you're like us, um, we're booked all the way up into September now. So. Yeah, we're <laughs> we're actually looking to booking people in August. That's why I reached out to you guys like months in advance. You want to yeah. know the, the main thing about booking people? is do not be afraid to hit that DM and just say, hey, you wanna? No matter <laughs> no matter who it is, man. No matter who it is. It's how, like how we get in trouble for saying that through DMs. 
No, man. I all. It's phrasing. It's all about phrasing. Yeah, yeah it is phrasing. The world gets it. Um, uh, that that does need to be translated. No. <laughs> Shane just slipping into people's DMs. You wanna? Yes. But that I is that's been. That's how all the names coming up are there because one or the other of us went to them and said. Hey, uh, I know this is rather forward, but you want to be on my podcast and boom, you know, you'd be amazed because they do. They do, man. Well, that's what I did with you guys and Laurel before you guys looked like you guys were one. Yeah, I tried to ignore that one, too. And I. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. I've had enough of this bullshit. Good night. (laughs) Uh, Brennan, do you have any more questions? No, I'm just uh, picturing you slipping into Shane's DMs, asking him if he wants to. <laughs> and yeah, and and what were you wearing? Hey Shane, if when you, you slip in, <laughs> Shane, if you hear a crumpled up beer can hit your window tonight, uh-huh. you'll know. You'll it's Hunter Shane. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That was a good. <laughs> Hang on a second, I'll give you my neighbor's address. Oh. Wait, Shane. Okay. <laughs> I fucking messaged you. or No, I tagged you and finished this specific. I forgot about this. Tell me, without going into details, why don't you like your neighbor? Um, he's. I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. He just annoys the fuck out of me. <laughs> you know, that's really what it comes down to is, is um, he's an idiot. And, <laughs> I mean, and he has and the, he thinks he's. um. A killer, killer, killer musician, but he's not. He, uh, <laughs> We've never heard his bongos, Shane. The rest no. of us need to make a judgment. What? He plays bongo drums. Oh my god! <laughs> but if you respond, but if but if if you respond by playing on the coffee can, he stops. Useful <laughs> 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 information. <laughs> okay. Well. I don't know what else to talk to you guys about because uh, I've run out of questions and I forget everything, right, Brennan? That's cool, <laughs> brother. I gotta, I gotta fly anyway, man. Okay. Well, before you leave, just where can people follow all three of you individually, and where can people follow Inkheist? Uh, Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, Twitter is the place, man. Um, at Hightower Laurel. Um, at Horror Bookshelf. At Shandy Keen. Um, be warned, that is a not safe for work account if you follow. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Uh, that that stands for Laurel too, by the way. Just FYI. also very true. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I'd like to just go on record as saying that I'm very impressed that Shane had memorized all of our Twitter handles because I didn't even remember my own. I'm like, is it at the horror bookshelf or at horror bookshelf? And he knew it right off the top of his head. And at Inkheist. Yes, yes, at Inkheist and Inkheist.com. So um, also, if I may plug it, uh, joshmailerman.com slash carpenters dash farm will get fantastic. you amazed, amazed. <laughs> I'm sure, man. He's a hell of a writer. Yeah, uh, I have uh, had a great time. It's we just hit the two hour mark. Uh, I really appreciate you guys' time. Thank you so much for coming on. I had a great time, man. Thank you. Yes. Thanks for having yeah, us on. Thanks. It was a lot of fun.
Thank you to the yep. three of you. Yep. Yep. You too, Brennan. Peace, you guys. Have a good one. Keep doing what you do and stay safe, brothers. Hopefully all four of our listeners uh, will enjoy this. <laughs> you have four? <laughs> jealous. All right, guys. Have a good night. All right. Take it you easy, too. man. See ya. We are in your mind. We are all around. You are now leaving. Deadhead space. Do you mind if all three of us are kind of fucked up? <laughs> We should have asked that first, but it's too late. We'd expect nothing less. If I had a newborn, I'd be even more stoned than I am right now. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I'll shut the fuck up now.